Hey guys, you're listening to Soul Food. My name is Daniel and I'm the pastor for a church called Soul here at Alustar in Malaysia. Now, I'm a curious kind of guy and I love to learn new stuff. So, in this podcast, we will dive into conversations with different individuals that will help us with our views of certain habits and behaviors that take place in our culture. I believe the conversations on this podcast will help us to expand our perspective. This is Soul Food. Let's dive right in. You're back again on Soul Food, and this episode is brought to you by friends and family at Soul. Um, we have again uh, this amazing couple, Stephen and Trixie, that's sharing their stories. Um, before the recording, we had an amazing conversation about kids, life, and you know just things in general about culture. Um, but this next one gets really interesting. Um, I want to start off with a story. I remember my daughter, she was about, I guess, two years old to almost three. You know, she's learning how to speak, you know, learning how to identify situations and smell and scent. And so we were visiting my grandmother. Um, like I mentioned before, my dad is Indian. So when my grandmother is the Indian, the Indian side grandmother. And so we were there, we were visiting, we were seeing her. And it's a culture in our family to always hug Pati. So Pati is what we call grandma. You know, we go there and then Pati will kiss us left, right, left, right on our cheeks, you know, and embrace us in a warm hug. So I grew up with that, you know, my sister, you know, my wife, you know, when she got married, you know, we, we, we kind of embrace that in our culture. But here comes my little daughter, you know, innocent. She's like, no, Papa, no. I'm like, and you know, like my parents and my uncle and auntie's like, Dan, you better get her straight, Dan. Like, this is a wrong attitude to have, you know. This is not acceptable in our culture. So I, I was like panicking, like, oh my gosh, why is my daughter doing this? You know, Pati, you know, is like the 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 the, the main person in the family, you know, you've got to embrace her and love her. And so I I and she just refused. And so I asked her, like, um, Princess, why? Why you didn't want to hug Patty? Because Patty is smelly. Daddy, she's smelly, you know. I remember my dad and mom, they burst out laughing. You know, we, we were laughing for a good while. Um, but yeah, that's that's her perception at a three three year old girl. There's nothing about, you know, race, culture, nothing. She just saw her Patty, you know, because um my grandma, you know, she uses um, coconut oil and she has the jasmine flower on her hair all the time. So she has a distinct scent, you know, and my daughter just straight up, you know, party is smelly. So in this situation, Stephen and Trixie, do I tell my little princess or a teacher to tolerate or to accept? What do you all think? <laughs> wow, <the bomb. laughs> Big bomb, right? <laughs> it's a great story. I mean, kids are are amazing right. with their responses to things, and and I I, I almost yeah I, I, I'm not even sure. Um, I think I think I, I heard you share this story in your other episode from yes. about last year, and. The way that you actually like explain to her and help her understand, like like you just did, that there's a, a different smell for a reason. 
that enables people to like understanding leads to acceptance. Um, and so I think, you know, whether you were telling her to tolerate or accept or, or what, um, exposure to something and then growing in an understanding to that thing leads to accepting it as it is. Uh, so it might be tolerance and it might be acceptance. It might be somewhere along that, that paradigm of things. And, Mm -hmm. um, I guess we would think of tolerance and acceptance more, more more of like a continuum almost Okay. where it's not like you're, you're like on or off. It's more like you're, you're moving within this framework of, tolerating and and accepting and in different situations will will kind of come out differently i guess Mm -hmm. so what's the big idea then of like being tolerant or being accepting especially in our culture you know um i mean as malaysians um in our moral studies we are taught to tolerate i i can't remember if we were taught to accept or that's why for me, like, you know, this conversation is for me to learn as well, like what acceptance really means, you know, is it an exclusive thing that we need to pursue or should we have both as well? So what are your thoughts about it? Yeah. So like within the, the workshops and things that, that we've started doing, um, we talk about tolerance and acceptance and I guess our, our sort of angle on tolerance within the workshop is, is you're trying to get people to just think a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, trying to sort of reorient the reference to what tolerance means and doesn't mean. Because a lot of times you'll hear people talk about um, issues of race and diversity and, and equity and, and all these things and inclusion and they talk about tolerance, like tolerance is this, is this really, really great thing. Tolerance is, is what we need society to foster. We need yeah. people to be more tolerant. And I don't know, like, like I, I think if people are completely intolerant, then... That's a big problem. <laughs> becoming tolerant is moving in the right direction. Um, okay. But I remember Trixie and I, we were... We were on the road, we're driving in Trixie's old uh, Proton Saga Iswara. <laughs> wow. And yeah. And we were going from what? From KL up to Kle- uh, no, to doesn't Penang. Matter. Doesn't even matter where we're going. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't matter. But we were going to one of, one of Trixie's old friends' um, wedding and so we're, we're in the car for a long time we're listening to the radio and on the radio they have these little public service announcements and the guy on the radio says malaysians and this is a malaysian speaking about malaysians yeah mm-hmm. malaysians are high in tolerance but low in acceptance that's how he framed the situation mm-hmm. and i i had never really thought about about it like that much, but I always thought tolerance is a good thing. And so I thought like, as he's speaking, I'm processing what he's saying and I'm like, high intolerance, well, that's really good, but low in acceptance. And then it totally like reoriented my thinking about what, well, what is tolerance? Yeah. And what is it not? 
And so sort of thinking on it, it w- within that continuum of moving from tolerance to acceptance. And so like, if I think of, of something I tolerate, yeah. I'm naturally thinking of bad things, like stuff I would rather live without. Like if I could take it out of my life, then I would prefer that. And so like, it's kind of funny, but we live like pretty high up in our condo. We still have mosquitoes in this place. Like, I don't know how they, yeah. they like people joke, like our neighbors joke, they say they come up the lift, right? <laughs> yeah. And so like, I feel like I, I, I tolerate mosquitoes because I have no choice. We exist in the same space and I would prefer not to have to tolerate them, you know? So if, if that's like a, how we think about tolerance um, when it comes to like people of different races or cultures or even different religions, then like we're really saying, I understand you have to be here, but I would rather you weren't. Mm. And so tolerance becomes like, kind of like just a starting point on the road to something that has to be better than that. Yeah. You know, when you're talking about diversity. And so then when you think of acceptance, it's really more of like you're here and I want you to be here. And actually if, if somebody's in the same space as you and you want, you, you want them there, you will close the distance. Mm-hmm. You will move towards them. When tolerance would say, you're here, but let's keep a distance, acceptance would say, let's, let's make that, yeah, close the gap. Let's get closer. Let's understand each other. Let's talk. Let's actually have a relationship. Right. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but how I can look at tolerance right now is tolerance could be the ignition to a friendship. Because I, I might not necessarily know you very well, right? But like you said, there's a some sort of negative connotation to it. Like it's it's tough, you know, I have to tolerate you, you know. So but would you say it's it's like an ignition to start off a friendship before getting to acceptance? Yeah. Again, like we were saying before, if you're like if you have someone who's intolerant, they're not even able to accept that somebody is in the same space Space at all right tolerance is like okay you're in the same space and maybe i have some issues with that you know there's all sorts of sort of variations to this i I am being a little bit provocative in my and my like negativity on what tolerance is but you're right i think you're exactly right i think most people see it that way and it's good um seeing tolerance as a starting place and generally within these conversations uh, and it's not just Malaysia, it's in the U.S., it's, it's all over the world. When people talk, talk about tolerance in regard to, to different races and religions and cultures, they, they're talking about it as a positive thing. Mm-hmm. But that guy on the radio, he just got me thinking of, of a larger world, you know, a larger world that doesn't just see tolerance as like the best we can do, mm-hmm. but it's actually like you said, it's a starting point to move towards acceptance. Wow, that's fascinating. But just a little fun thought to it. So if let's say, you know, as guys, we always forget to put down the toilet seat and our wives get really angry. 
So did they tolerate us first? <laughs> or they come to accept the terms that, oh gosh, my husband is never going to change. <laughs> I think it's the, the dichotomy between who's the person and the behavior, right? Like, right. And understanding God, like God accepted us fully. Like He does not tolerate sin, mm-hmm. but he fully accepts us. So is that duality oh, where, thought, yeah. yeah, like we, we, when we look at people and we look at whoever that we have a hard time looking at and going, God has accepted me. God has accepted the person. God just doesn't just accept me. He delights in me, you know, and, and all that. And he delights in that person. He, that person bears the image of God. And so he's fully accepted as well. Um, but he does not tolerate sin. So like for yeah. us, too, uh, as we think about cultural bias, stereotypes, uh, or yeah assumptions as well there are going to be certain behaviors like for instance your 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 daughter's story that is so foreign to us that it's like oh it starts yeah. out being we have to tolerate certain behaviors or certain yeah smell sites you know mm-hmm. but we fully accept that there's a difference in like we fully accept you know that mm-hmm. person but that certain behavior that certain food or that certain thing we have we can move towards yeah actually celebrating it rather than oh i have to tolerate this i think but not with the toilet seat. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you don't mind me asking you, if you could share your own personal journey because um, Stephen, you're American. Trixie, you're Malaysian Chinese. I mean, culturally, it's so different. But coming together and now you're married, you know, and as marriage, you're still discovering each other every single day. Uh, um, maybe you could share from your experience what are certain things that you have, at first it was a tolerance and then it became an acceptance. Time for you. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah, so I w- I'm terrible at time, especially back when I was working. Uh-huh. I lost all track of time when I work, and so I've made Steve wait it for two, three hours before in this one instance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so for an American, oh, time is not relative. Time is precise. It is, you say you're, you're going to be there, you know, and for an Asian, uh, specifically me, um, Time is sort of relative. <laughs> <laughs> it's a Malaysian bad yeah, oh, habit, right? Oh, gosh. So that's uh-huh. more confusing. <laughs> right. Yeah, and, right. and the, the interesting thing with that is I'm living in her context. Uh-huh. Right, so the, the, the reality is like I, I have to be willing to adapt. Mm-hmm. And and that's the right that's the right posture for for any non-Malaysian coming into Malaysia is is a posture of wanting to learn, wanting to adapt, mm-hmm. and wanting to value the way things are done differently in this place. But then once it becomes like we're committed to each other, and like so much of my life is now revolving around Trixie. And then it's like, wow, these cultural sides of things become like real hurdles to actually mm-hmm. deal with. So like the, the time is a perfect example. Um, because yeah, for, for Americans, it's really, really an important thing. And it kind of c- like carries with it like a respect for the person you're meeting. And so like for us to sort of process through that, there had to be like a deconstruction of what time meant. Mm. Like what does time mean for Trixie? What does time mean for me? And what, 
what message was she trying to send and what message was I receiving? Mm -hmm. Because we're from two different, like our, our narrative about time is different. She has one story that relates to time. I have a totally different story that relates to time and, and why it's important. Um, so yeah, like we sort of had to think through all, a, a lot of different cultural things and and I, I guess in a way, it's somewhere along that continuum mm. between tolerate, accept. And then the truth is after accept, Trixie already mentioned this, you have celebrate. Mm. And so there's some stuff that is so, so wonderful. You know, like, and I mean, like, what, how, how, how do parents celebrate something more than by trying to instill it in, the, in your children? Yeah. And so... Yeah. For us, like understanding, like okay, the the Asian or Malaysian sort of desire to have your kids honor elders, like the story with your daughter, like you want your daughter to honor her her elders. Yeah. And for me, coming from a place where, like, wow, I grew up in school, and kids would would disrespect teachers constantly, <laughs> and I probably did it sometimes too to be honest like it is just a place where the kids do not have respect mm -hmm. for adults and so me coming in seeing that and like that is good mm -hmm. that is that is there's so much right about the way that malaysians try to train their kids mm -hmm. to honor those who are older and I so want, sorry yeah no i want to go yeah. back to the part where you said about celebrating right so, like, back to Trixie, you know, again, timing was a, uh, was a tough thing for her. But eventually, you guys, when you got together, the relationship got stronger. And when, would you say you guys met in the middle? Or was it like, you know, Trixie changing completely? Is that how acceptance work? And then you celebrate her after that? Like, how, how does it work? Yeah, I think both of us had to do some, yeah, they, like Steven said, deconstructing mm -hmm. and even realized like, oh, why is he hanging on to that? And I realized like, oh, um, how would how it make him feel, you know, right. coming from that culture uh, where, and, and to reorient that I'm actually honoring him, you know, when mm -hmm. I reflect that time, you know, yeah, I mean, I... In some sense, I do understand that, you know, to keep the time when it comes to like work and business, but yeah, when it comes to social stuff, it's like, oh, they can wait, you know, he, he would understand. I, you know, work work is priority or whatnot at that time. Yeah, but having to understand, no, it's not work that's priority for me, you know, it's it's the person, you know, and yeah, that's it. We, we both had to process and then I think now I'm a little better and then Steve's also a little better at like, okay, yeah, when... Sometimes Malaysians say, <laughs> this time we'll give it an hour. Yeah, the Janji Malayu. <sighs> you definitely can do better in that. I mean, of course, uh, this is something that, I mean, we want to all be better at timing as well, you know, in our, in our culture and all. But it's just pretty interesting to see how um, something that is, some people think, yeah, it's timing. It's just simple. Just change, I'll be on time, you know what I mean? But there's a certain value and certain behavior, you know, or response to how you look at timing, you know. And I thank you for sharing your experience because now not just to learn to accept that person, but also celebrate all those milestones together, 
you know. But I also realized it to get to the level of acceptance, that means, like when you mentioned, it's not about tolerance. I might not like you in my sphere, but you are here. I don't mind, right? Then acceptance is closing the gap, coming in closer together. But acceptance is not just a one-way street. It's got to be a two-way kind of thing. So how can we inspire or work towards having two people or, you know, encouraging the other person to, I don't know if meet in the middle is the right thing to say, but, you know, come together to build a healthier culture. Yeah. Um, there's this, uh, this Chinese proverb, but I, I've searched for this. I heard this a long time ago mm-hmm. and I always remembered it. Uh, and it, I, I heard someone say it was a Chinese proverb, but I cannot find it anywhere online or anything. So it may not be a Chinese proverb, um, but there is some sort of saying that I heard one time that basically goes like this. Relationships are like houses. You have to bow low to enter, but once you're inside, there's plenty of room to move around. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the reciprocating nature of acceptance. Wow. Uh, where you each bow low, there's a humility, there's a you know, maybe in some ways it, it might at times feel like a sacrifice, like you're leaving a part of your identity at the doorway mm-hmm. in order to bow low. But once you're inside, there is plenty of room to move around. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I just feel like imagine you go into that house and there's all this room to move around, but you're still bowed low. Yeah. Your, your host is going to look at you like, hey, come on, stand up straight. You know, what are you doing? Make yourself, make yourself at home. Sit down. Have, you know, they, they're going to come over. And instead of it being a sort of humiliating experience, it becomes an experience where there is like humility in a safe space that allows you to then be really authentically yourself in more ways than you probably realized you're allowed, mm-hmm. you know. And so I, I think that's, it's kind of how I view a lot of this. And, and so much of that is, is even wrapped up in the gospel itself. Mm-hmm. You know, in, in Philippians, it says that Christ did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but he emptied himself mm-hmm. and he took the form of, of a servant. And so he bowed low. To enter. I mean, even to the point of death. Yeah in order to enter relationship with us, with us, we are completely unworthy. So true. Yeah. And so if, if he, as our example is able to bow low, strip himself of the things that, well, I don't know. I mean, he put aside so much of himself in order to do it. Mm-hmm. And so if he is able to, I, I think he's, he's made us to be able to have that kind of humility if we're, if we're seeing him as our, our model. Wow, that's a very, very good example. Trixie, you want to weigh in this? Mm, not that I can think of, but yeah, I think the yeah, assuming the best uh, when we make mistakes, uh, yeah, don't yeah, don't be afraid of making mistakes. And don't be don't hold yourself back from asking certain questions because mm-hmm. if it's in a genuine, I just want to understand. Can you can you explain to me this? And then. I think especially in multicultural settings, we have to, 
yeah, really be careful with how we communicate and go like, hey, can you help me think? I'm trying to think and this is is where I'm thinking. Yeah, like, so this is how I'm thinking. Is this correct? Can you continue this, you know? Yeah, Yeah, so really be aware of how we're communicating either through verbally or non-verbally as well. Mm -hmm. And then also noticing and realizing different people receive respect and perceive respect in different ways. Right. Yeah, for instance, I think, uh, I'm not sure if Steven shared before, in, in America, it would be, if you meet someone, it would be respectful to greet both genders, guys and girls. But for, you know, maybe here in Malay culture or maybe in a certain conservative culture, you, you might not want to salam everyone, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so, yeah, it takes it takes a certain level of, like, wanting to learn, but at the same time, you don't know anything. You mm-hmm. can be friends with someone, especially Malaysians, our sanka bite towards each other once we, like, you know, get over our shyness and say hi and, and, and you know, chit-chat. Is very high. I noticed. I think, yeah. Usually, um, I mean, not on social media, but in person. Usually, our sanka bite towards each other is really high. Yeah, that's something I'm really grateful for. Thank you, Stephen and Trixie. I I really love the image of a house, like a relationship. You get a bow low, enter in, and then there's many rooms to move about. I think it's such a beautiful imagery about how we learn to build acceptance. You know, ultimately learning to build that respect. And I think Trixie, what you say is correct. It's a reminder to me again to assume the best of others. You know, I think we live in a society where everything is fear-based sometimes. You know, I think, um, well, reality is sometimes, yeah, we don't live in a fair world or a perfect world. So we see a lot of errors and everything. So because of that, there's a lot of fear that's being built. And I think what you say is correct. You know, if we really learn to assume the best of others first, and I think, and the respect that comes I think we will really be in the road of building acceptance. And I think this is something that I, it's like a dream, you know, to see one day, you know, churches, offices, you know, people, you know, one another, when we come together. And especially in Malaysia, we are a multiracial, we always say we are a multiracial society. Like, you know, we are so proud about it. Uh, but going back to tolerance, right? I just want to pick your brains on this. Can someone say that tolerance is, you know what, I've got no choice but to be with you lah? Is that a good way to start off? I mean, of course, it sounds very negative, but it feels at times that tolerance is like that. Like, yeah, I've got no choice. Uh, but so, I've got no choice but to like you. I've got no choice but to be with you. So, yeah, let's stick around. That kind of thing. Um, maybe in your experience, you know, what are your thoughts about it? Like, what are the detrimental effects if we continue on this path? Yeah, I, I don't think I would want to say it quite like that if I'm talking to somebody that I'm like, hey, I've got no choice but to do with I mean, you. We, we, won't, so, we won't say it, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I, okay, yeah, if you're not saying it, then I, yeah. I mean, if you're, if you're like self-aware enough to know, I don't really like this person, but I have no choice. And so... That actually, you're actually displaying a lot of self-awareness if that's if that's you, mm-hmm. and so it actually gives you an opportunity. If you're in that spot where you're like, I just want to, like, I- I'm just tolerating this person. That's why I like what you said. How do we get <laughs> to that awareness part? Yeah, you know, I think a lot of people are self-aware that man. You kind of suck. I don't want to be with you. Like you just rob my energy. You, you know what I mean. And even though I might not know you very well yet, and I'm just 
giving that as a context first, you know, for the first time, whether it's a different race or a different person. Um, so how do so we are self-aware? <laughs> how do we get to the awareness that we need to change? Like, what do you think are the key factors here? Um, something that we're learning about there is that there's hope because God made us in the image of in the image of God, and He mm-hmm. also made us relational because God is relational. And we're learning a little bit of neurobiology uh, from Kurt Thompson's book about soul of shame and anatomy of shame. So anyway, we mm-hmm. are wired to be in a relationship with others, and when we when we spend time with each other, we tend to get to know each other more. Um, on a very, I mean, on, naturally, if we're forced to be with this person in proximity, we would get to know each other more. And also, in terms of neurobiology, we have um, something called mirror neurons, where if I see you doing something, I, I'll, as a human, I tend to like want to do that as well. Wow. Like we, we tend to want to mirror each other. It is where our empathy comes in and all that. So there's so much hope in that we are wired and, and you know, biologically made for uh, relationships to to like mirror each other and then to be in a, a friendship with each other so there's there's hope because god god made us this way um right. yes there's also like a likely chance of yeah we spend time and you know i might not like you more and more but uh yeah i think we're in the flesh and and there's that's where yeah i think um just being renewed in our thoughts and and going back mm. to yeah understanding what he wants for us and yeah, that understanding his grace for us, his love for us. That's, I feel like that, you know, people can change and yeah. Yeah. I and the other thing is you don't, you don't have to be friends with everybody. Yeah. I was about to get to that point, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, like, I, I think there's a lot to be said for like, I, I'm an introvert. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I really have to manage my social energy. And so I'm not going to go out and just try to be like a social butterfly and meet everybody and, and take up every possible social opportunity I'm getting. I'm like really choosy with how I spend my time with people. So I want to go deep and invest with a few rather than just skip across the surface with a lot of people. Right. And so I, I think especially when you're in a multicultural situation, it actually takes energy. Yeah. It takes a, a lot more energy to engage in friendship and relationship with people from a different culture, especially for Malaysians when you're navigating across not just culture, but language. Because you guys are amazing with language and you're all speaking each other's languages. Mm-hmm. And so being able to do that, it takes, it takes a lot of energy, social energy, emotional, mental, and, and like, you might just crash and be exhausted yeah. after a lot of, you know, cross-cultural interaction and just not even know why, but it's, it just takes more time and energy. And so you can, I feel like people can feel free, like, okay, I don't really feel like I connect with this person. Um, but if, if you look at all of the people you don't connect with and say, okay, it's, it's like by race that I'm just, I just don't feel like I connect, then you should take, a step towards acceptance and just say, I'm going to be intentional with this person, this neighbor, this mm-hmm. whoever it is to try to grow a, a deeper relationship with that one person. Yeah. Um, it doesn't mean that you're going to be best friends with every single person of a different culture that you meet. 
That's right. Yeah, I like that. I, I think to that as well, you know, when you say it takes a lot of effort and energy, um, I always think about this, you know, we are called to be like Jesus, but we are not Jesus, you know, and I think it's crucial to understand that. Um, but to add to that, I, I remember in one of your sessions, you talk about, you know, how this guy by the name of Daryl, you know, who was a African-American, such a powerful story. You know, he went to approach the, the KKK, you know, and actually befriend them, you know, and I think one of the takeaways from that is really um, building a personal relationship, you know, instanding of, instead of changing, you know, a whole policy, like, you know, um, making sure that everything is right and, you know, fighting your way, getting what you want. I, I think there are some people who are built for those moments, you know, I, I don't want to uh, shortchange them. But I think at a personal level, you know, I think what you've talked about before is so powerful, you know, because um, if I could really take the time and the effort to really make a personal friend, I would actually get to know you better of a different race and everything. So if today I have an issue accepting an Indian brother or sister, let me start at a personal level, you know, of getting to know one. Sorry, I mean, if I have a problem with an uh, issue with Indians, let me start at a personal level of a Indian brother or a sister, get to know them, you know, or a Malay you know, and the ultimate dream is that we will eradicate the word apunene. And I don't know, Stephen, if you know that word, but it's like a haunting word, you know, that's that's there, you know. And, and so thank you so much again for your time, you know, and really um, I want to take this opportunity to appreciate both of you, Stephen and Trixie. Um, I am sure a lot of people are enjoying the Lepak game, but more than the Lepak game, the story behind it, the energy that you put into it, the effort, you know, I really appreciate it because little things like this is making a big impact and I think this will help a lot of churches and offices and societies out there. So once again, thank you so much. Uh, so listeners, you can check out uh, Stephen and Trixie um, on IG, Rojak Culture. They are there as well. If you have any questions, you can DM me and we'd love to keep in touch with you. Thanks again, Stephen and Trixie. Really appreciate your time. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed this podcast. Soul Food is part of a community and we believe that connections matter. Follow us on our Instagram at Soul Malaysia or mine at Daniel Quillen and we would love to connect with you. Send us a DM if you've got any questions. Thank you for listening and do share this podcast with your friends.